0: The main thing is because technology changes so much, then it, you keep reinventing yourself. You keep reinventing the things you do and the technologies that you use. But what I've found over the years is what I do ends up being more about building teams and building people and building organizations than about just what I do, which is probably what I enjoy doing the most.
1: Though Peter Jastruboff's college interests seem to span a variety of areas, from computer science and neural networks to world religion and even DJing on the college radio station, at the core is a lifelong interest in the nature of human interaction. Ultimately, he found himself where technology and finance interact, but true to his North Star, learned that it was the human side of the business that appealed as much as the technology. Find out how searching for a sense of belonging and listening to the nuances of culture can sometimes be the key to everything on today's Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. Today, I'm here with Pete Jastervoff, and we're going to talk about taking to the airwaves and taking to the air and where things land you ultimately on this journey. So thanks so much, Pete, for being on this journey with us today.
0: Sounds great. Looking forward to it.
1: All right. So I start this the same way every time with two questions, and they are these. When we were in college, who were you? And when we were getting ready to leave, who did you think you would become?
0: I've, I've listened to a few of the the uh, podcasts, so I've, I've, I was expecting this, but I still don't have a good answer. I think when I came to Dartmouth, I was looking t- to, to belong to, to something or, 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 uh, or a place or, or a, t- a group, I guess. And I, I did quite a bit of that through different clubs and activities uh, from freshman crew. I was a lightweight at the beginning of... The year and by the end of the year i was not uh, not because of beer because i actually didn't <laughs> didn't drink at all uh certain freshman year so uh, i i gained a bit of weight and that made me a, a very small heavyweight so i was not going to be in a boat with andrew webb or jamie hutter um, <laughs> so that was, that was the end of that one uh, but along the way what i did find is uh, the radio station and that's a place that uh, really gave me a, a way to, inc- to to feel a part of something so that was my connection to WDCR W F R D F M, So the FM station where I, where I worked throughout my time at Dartmouth, which was a, a great experience all around. And I guess when I was leaving, you know, I think we were lucky. We were leaving at a time when the kind of the technology was ex, was expanding, and there's the beginning of the .dot com craze, But it wasn't just .dot com. It was really using use of technology. So, Blitzmail is the ubiquitous thing that we all used and loved uh, all the time. But that didn't really exist outside of the environment we had. Uh, we were a big uh, Macintosh, Apple school, but people didn't have computers or smartphones or even a Nokia brick phone was was fairly new thing. So I think for me, the when I was leaving, it was the the excitement of trying to play in that space. And, and there was a lot of accidents along the way how I ended up doing what I did. Uh, as random as the work that Richard Clare and I did started based on his mother, I believe being in a grocery queue with the guy that hired us as interns at Morgan Stanley during our junior and, and, and senior year. So it's, it's things like that. Um, I guess slight, sliding doors uh, It was a lot of the experience that we had uh, leaving school.
1: So when you were in school, though, Pete, you were a computer science major? Uh,
0: yeah, I was a bit of a mutt. I did a computer science major, kind of modified with cognitive science, so kind of neural networks and psychology and such. And I have a minor in, mm. in theology or religion, whichever you want to call it. So I did quite a bit of stuff on, on Eastern religions, so Taoism, Buddhism. So uh, Robert Hendricks is one of my favorite professors uh, at, at the school, and, and uh, I spent quite a bit of time uh, working with him. And then um, I actually ended up doing a foreign study in Scotland, which is where the religion theology one, where we did quite a, quite a bit of work around the Scottish Enlightenment and sort of topics around philosophy and religion and, and, and God or gods, depending on how you want to look at that. So um, yeah, a bit of everything.
1: Yeah, probably a good mix for that versioning technology world. I mean, we worship lots of gods now that are very technologically uh, (laughs) manifested. But how did that first step, though, you said there were lots of happy accidents. What was the first path for you and did that feel like it was taking one, stre- one yep. thread of your mut identity or did it feel like it was encompassing lots I, of things? I think
0: So when I came to Dartmouth, I was focused on medicine or pre-med as an area of focus, largely because of my family. So my, 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 both my parents are PhDs, so research scientists. Uh, my sister after me ended up in medicine. So it was sort of in the family in many ways. And I and I did quite a bit of that freshman year, but I found that it was a bit too much around memorization, sort of rote learning, which I just really didn't care for. But but it wasn't the only thing I was studying. Um, I didn't have to do a language study because I had cheated and used my my Polish language fluency as a, as a way of not doing a language thing, which I actually regret now. If I have uh-huh. sort of really stuck with either French or picked up Spanish, it would have been really, really quite useful. But uh, it gave me a lot of time to take different courses. So I took everything from geography to history to astronomy to, you know, pick your favorite. Um, and I did that mostly because I didn't have any idea what I was doing as far as after college. So I ended up, I didn't pick a major until my sophomore spring. So the last term that mm-hmm. I think we technically can pick it, I, I, I took a computer science course. There. I'm like, huh, I kind of like this. I did this in high school. I like the structure and the sort of the deterministic outcome of things. And that sort of started me on that path of doing things in that space.
1: Okay. And so was the first job after you had the experience as an intern, but did you, what happened after graduation?
0: So, yeah. So what ended up happening is I was an intern after Rich at, at Morgan Stanley. And then I came back for the summer and I did the second part of it and he joined me as well. So we kind of cycled through. And the, the folks we worked for sort of said, you know what, yeah, you can come and join an analyst program and be a techie, but you, know, you guys are doing some really interesting stuff. It's, we'll get you started on some projects internally. A lot of people were leaving Morgan Stanley to go to make their millions in California. So there was a bit of a gap uh, of resources, and they, they gave us a, a start with some projects. Uh, so that grew from, I guess, two people in the company, him and I, to about 25 by 2000. And we spent, you know, I guess, years trying to figure out how to actually run and build a business, which we had no right or idea how to do.
1: What babies you were, right? Yeah,
0: we had no clue what we were doing. We were just No kids. idea. No idea. No idea, which is, which is the fun part of it, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it was a good partnership, which was a engineer by trade. Um, I was a computer scientist. Uh, We had complementary skill sets in many ways. His dad worked in financial services for many years, so he was a good sounding board and, and in fact, was an advisor on our our board. And that was the experience. Instead of starting in the traditional path of do your corporate interviews and end up in tech job or banking job or something else, we ended up uh, trying to build something together, which was a great experience it had a bit of a downturn in, in the dot-com downturn, even though it wasn't that really a dot-com business. But but it was it was a great way to sort of start a career, perhaps backwards in many ways, instead of starting as a junior, you're, you're asked to, here, go run this thing. But it was a great experience all around.
1: In that tech finance hybrid space.
0: Yep. yep. So we basically were doing projects for the big old banks, mostly kind of custom software. So they need systems to do this or that. And, and we, we were building that for them. It was a unique opportunity, and it was a unique time as well. It was, you know, early days of internet stuff, and Mosaic was a browser, and Netscape was a thing, and that's all obviously died and changed. <laughs> but you know, Mark Andreessen was there, and he had started that company in that world. And ironically, um, you know, fast forward 30 years, I guess, and the company I worked for is, in fact, VC funded by well, one of the VCs is is in fact uh, Andreessen Horowitz, which is where he still runs stuff.
1: Yeah. So you've always kept that being in the nexus of the tech and the finance. What were the parts of it that were like, I'm developing this skill or this expertise that kind of kept it going for all of those years for you? What mm-hmm. What was the part of it that kind of fired up the I want to take everything because it sounds interesting? Kind I of? think the main
0: thing is because technology changes so much then it, you keep reinventing mm-hmm. yourself. You, you keep reinventing the things you do and the technologies that you use. And it's, it's every day you're learning. Even these days, I'm, I'm still not, it's not same job every day. It's actually, well, how about this? And how about this technology? And how about this software as a service? Or this vendor can provide this. So you're actually thinking about how to incorporate things that otherwise you wouldn't necessarily get to see or think about unless you had to kind of poke it and try it. Um, so I think that was a, a large part of it. But what I've found over the years is What I do ends up being more about building teams and building people and building organizations than about just what I do, which is probably what I enjoy doing the most, uh, which is ironic for, uh, generally speaking, an introvert, which is why I sat sat in front of a microphone on the radio, you know, I'm there, no one can see me, but yet I can be who I want to be in front of an audience that's, uh, you know, somewhere in the upper valley.
1: Right. But the very first thing you said was you were somebody who was looking to belong. And when you're building teams, yeah, you might be on that introverted side, like I'm going to be over here and the team is over there. But you're building that. Right. And so it's a building a sense of belonging for other people that you get to be part of as well. So that makes sense. to yeah. me.
0: And, and I look, I've, I've loved it, uh, whether or not it was the small company that you know we had with, with Rich or or further on at uh, the different banks I worked at over the years, or even now, Um, I've kind of gone from my own little company to working at companies that have 50,000 people to joining a crypto exchange last August, so 2021, which is about 250 people, and now working at a company even smaller, they are about 120, and really enjoying that experience because you get to build things in a very different way than you do at a... A very established institution that that has a lot of uh, structure and protocol and process and bureaucracy and and, and things that we see in, you know, office space or the office TV show, which which is unfortunately more true than we would care to admit. Um, So we find an escape sometimes.
1: Right. Right. So the role that you're in now and the environment you're in now, is that crypto being like the new technology nope. thing or is it something? You no. So newer?
0: this is this is in the uh, crypto ecosystem without being too technical. The, the company I work for essentially provides access to crypto exchanges for hedge funds. So big institutional investors that want to trade crypto, they, they provide the means to connect to those exchanges and, 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 and trade. But I look after the the client or customer service side of things. So I, I basically interface with all of the clients and my team across Singapore, London, uh, I guess New York, essentially interface with those clients and to follow the, the model to make sure that they get the right level of service around what we're doing and then and, and how it all works. It's, uh, it's quite fun because a lot of it is against puzzles, like things break and you don't know why. And sometimes it's because you know, something broke downstream. Sometimes it's because the client did something silly. Sometimes it's because gremlins happen and things break. And what you do is you restart it. And then magically it works, same with your phone half the time. But uh, you get the idea.
1: Yeah. The, the deterministic outcome that you talked mm-hmm. about before, like there is, there is a reason and there is an outcome, but it's like the puzzle and the, the sleuthing that probably takes a lot of talking to people, which is yep. um, another thing that you're interested. Yeah. So. A lot of these moves require you to be in various big financial centers in Mm -hmm. the world so you've had a bit of a peripatetic life between hong kong and london and new york and so how has that allowed you to hone that sense of belonging either with the people that you drag along with you or in communities that you're a part of
0: um so new york is a melting pot Culturally, Even though everyone has their own little pocket they hang out in for historical reasons, I think. I think Hong Kong is, is a close proxy in the, in the Asian context, but, but is also extremely cosmopolitan in, in, in nature um, and has a long tradition and history of, of visitors from abroad, some more welcome than others. I think that the, the key thing that the travels have given me a chance to do is to really understand and appreciate nuances in, in culture and people and being really comfortable with those differences. You see that quite a bit when you go to Hong Kong or Japan. Japan is probably the the quintessential example of of a place that is so amazingly unique and and special, uh, but it's so hard to understand until someone actually starts explaining the pieces to you because it's not readily apparent when you're looking at it and you're experiencing it. I guess there was a movie about that. Uh, is it Lost in Translation, I guess it's.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I, I think. Uh, I think. But uh, you know, the the concepts are all true. When you actually go to a place and you actually see how people think and and, and do things, uh, there are culture nuances to, to to those environments, and and they're unique and special and awesome. And when you bring people from lots of different places to a place, how they interact is also very unique and different. You know, we we were in. So I was born in Poland. I was there for eight years. And, you know, we were in the States for 30, and I guess I I worked in New York for about 15, um, and then 12 years in Hong Kong, and along the way, uh, got married, have have two kids now, one was born in New York, one was born in Hong Kong, so we kind of have things all over the place. And, you know, their their grandmother or one of their grandmothers lives in India, which is where, where my wife is from, so kind of bounce around lots of different places.
1: That's cool. So when we were in college and you were trying to figure out kind of how to both do everything and find a way, is this a path that you would have expected if the now version of you came back and said, hey, I'll give you the preview of of how life's going to turn out? Mm,
0: Not not even close. (laughs) Um, I think originally when I was leaving high school, I was either going up at a place like Georgetown and do something in political science and sort of foreign policy. I really like that that domain a lot. I, I, I love reading a lot of the books in that space. So, like, Fareed Zakaria has a lot of great texts in, in, in that space, or, you know, more, some of the consensual reads like um, Guns, Germs, and Steel is another one, or Clashes of Civilization. Like, they're really interesting books and really interesting topics that talk about sort of the, the nature of human interaction and, and, and the like. But I ended up not doing that. Um, I was going to look at uh, maybe going to Rensselaer and becoming a proper engineer, like full-on, that's what I'm going to do. But I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. And I think that that's the amazing thing that Dartmouth gave me is you don't have to decide. And
1: Mm.
0: based on the people you meet, the the relationships you develop, the opportunities you have, whether that's radio or crew or whatever else, you you kind of find a path. Um, I would have never expected that it be where it is now. But I think it's 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 the unique nature of the place that's made that possible in many ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, and kind of the lifelong learner in you—you're still able to read and dabble and do those yep. things. It sounds like you need you need your own podcast though to get back <laughs> into the radio. Uh, I, I
0: do, I do miss the radio. It's, it's actually one of my favorite parts of of the college experience. Was that, in fact, a lot of the friends that I developed were tied to the radio station because the at that time the the, the radio station was largely. Uh, the whole SAE fraternity crew. And that's where I landed up because it was a crew of guys that really enjoyed radio. And I was more of the 93s and ninety four, so a lot of the guys that were, uh, you know, th- that crew is sort of a connection to, to to what gave me a community as well. And, and the combination of the radio and, and, and SAE, are, uh, actually at this point, those are probably the main folks I still keep in touch with from, from college all over the years.
1: And talk about having their own nuances of culture. I think probably both of those camps have quite the nuance in them. But I guess the last thing I would ask, though, Pete, is when you do think about kind of the next chapter of things, you've just moved to London, kind of a new job. What are the things that excite you about this nexus of technology and finance Mm -hmm. for you for the future and and where do you see yourself going well so i
0: think the 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 crypto or internet three, whatever you want to call it ecosystem is actually very interesting because it's very misunderstood and you know you can read a lot of shock articles around ftx or whatever else and and yeah there's going to be ponzi schemes or scams or whatever you want to call it that that occur in any nascent new thing that's coming up but it is a real thing. And I think the interesting thing to, to to think about is how do all these lovely global regulators think about this stuff? Because there are values to consumers around being able to have much lower friction around moving uh, assets and money around That Right now, they don't have that option very easily. Uh, you're paying a lot for Western Union to do it for you. Or you have to have accounts across different countries. But to have that, you have to have a level of wealth where it's actually worth having a bank account in five different currencies in five different countries which is not something that most people have so i think what i'm most interested in is how that all evolves and being a part of that ecosystem which is one of the main reasons i left kind of the big old big old bank jobs uh because i i I can continue learning and i can continue learning not just about technology but about different things that are within this ecosystem um, that that otherwise, you know, uh, people are not exposed to necessarily.
1: Well, I have no doubt you will continue learning, um, whether it's about this or about all the other things that spark your interest. Kind of a true renaissance man, I feel. So, Pete, thanks so much for walking us through where you've been, and we'll look forward to seeing where you end up next.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
1: That was Pete Jasterpoff, a global technology leader who spent a career in the finance industry. He's currently VP of Client Services at Talos, helping provide institutional-grade technology infrastructure for digital assets trading. Though he's been in all the world's financial centers, he's recently moved with his wife and children to London. No matter where in the world you move, you'll always be able to find our stories at rosetakenshow.com. While there, checking out the archive of over 120 episodes and bonuses, you can also check out some great then and now photos, read the show notes, and access the transcripts. You can even give us your thoughts on past and future episodes by using the contact us link and drop a note to me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, on Roads Taken.